Hey, you mob, how's it going? Welcome to this episode of Aussie English. So, this is another Pete's Two Cents episode. I am slowly getting into the swing of 2023 and I am planning out the year, hopefully as of the next week or so, and we'll get back to the normal routine of expression episodes and hopefully some goss episodes and interviews as well. But um, yeah, I hope you guys have been having an amazing Christmas and holiday period. Hope your New Year's was an amazing time. I was up late. I think everyone had really gone to bed here. I ended up going over to my folks' place and having dinner with them and some um, family friends, which was good fun, but had Noah with me, so ended up bringing Noah home. I think it must have been like 9.30, probably. I think he was playing for quite a bit with his cousin, and they went, and then we sort of went as he got tired and came home and put him to bed, and then um, my wife and her friend were here drinking, having some chats And I think they both went to bed too at about 10.30 or so. And so, I was just sort of left up on my own on New Year's Eve. It was pretty quiet, to be honest. There were no fireworks really going off. Sometimes here in Australia, you'll hear them going off in the neighborhood. People just set them off. But I don't think I heard any this year, which is is really interesting. I was expecting to hear a whole lot go off and, you know, have the kids wake up or the cat freak out and be like, what the hell is that? Is this some kind of storm? What's going on? But that didn't happen. And then I flicked on... ABC News on YouTube, which I always recommend you guys check out. So, if you go to YouTube and just type in ABC Australia News 24, you know, a combination of those things, you should see the live stream come up and you can watch this from anywhere in the world and you'll just see news and uh, other TV shows that come up on the ABC streamed 24 hours a day. So, if you're working on your Australian English, definitely chunk this on on a regular basis. I'm watching it, you know, all the time. I'm not working on my English, but so I stay in touch with what's going on in Australia. Um, It's free. Go check it out. Uh, And you can also access it, I think, through iView online too. You can make an account. This is kind of like the Australian Broadcast Commission's version of Netflix. So, there'll be TV shows and movies and all that sort of stuff on there and news. You can sign up and use iView as well, I think. So, just do a Google search for that. But anyway, so I chuck that on at around midnight and just watched the the fireworks as always and then just went to sleep. But it is funny, the older you get, guys, I swear that birthdays and, you know, New Year's Eve, Christmas, all of those things become much less sort of wild. I mean, it's not much of a surprise, right? I think you'd expect that the older you get, things get a little tamer. Once you're out of your 20s and you suddenly have a family and children and you know, a job and everything like that, it's a little harder to justify going out and partying on a regular basis. But yeah, I definitely do miss those days of hanging out with friends and uh, just walking through the streets for the New Year's Eve things. I've I've walked through the streets in Sydney. As I told you last week, I got robbed (laughs) with friends when we did that. But that was still a good event, right? Like, I look back on it and I'm like, damn, I got robbed. Um, You know, how embarrassing. But at the same time, it was still really nice, good environment, People are really friendly, sort of warm atmosphere, and everyone's sort of jovial, happy, and in a good mood, right? They're enthusiastic, and New Year's seems to always have that kind of feel about it where you're bringing in a new year, you're motivated, you're probably going to bring in some sort of New Year's resolution that lasts for a few weeks, (laughs) like me. You know, every year I seem to have something like this year, I've tried to cut out sugar and bread. We'll see how long that lasts, Um, but yeah, so... I used to do that all the time when I was younger. I would go out with friends usually, you know, you'd socialize. It'd be another reason to get out, catch up with mates, have dinner somewhere, then just walk through the streets, find somewhere to sit, 
have a drink with yourself, you know, and your mates and, and watch the fireworks when they go off in one of the big cities. And um, yeah, absolutely love doing that when I was younger. But yeah, as an adult, ugh, trying to navigate that with children would be just a total nightmare. So yeah, that's, that's not going to happen for quite some time. I reckon for the next probably 10 years or so, we're going to have some pretty tame New Year's Eve. New Year's Eves? <clears throat> Excuse me if I have a bit of a cough as well. I'm still sort of recovering. I had, I think it was tonsillitis about a week ago and it just put me out and has really affected my um my sort of throat and everything. It's been been awful. All right, so let's get into some questions, guys. So I have one here from Hoda who asks... How can I work in TAFE as an English teacher? So, you can become an English teacher as obviously a non-native speaker. And and in fact, I think a lot of the time, the best English teachers out there are going to be non-natives. And language is this weird thing where it's sort of unlike a lot of other skills that you would learn in life where when you're a native speaker of that language, you've learned it from birth and quite often you don't really have any conscious idea of how the language works. You have learned to use it, but you've never really... You haven't had to learn it as an adult through study and everything like that the same way, you know, when you're a child learning a language. And so, unlike non-native English speakers or, or language learners learning a language, when when you teach it as a native speaker, you have to actually kind of go backwards and learn all of the grammar, learn all of these rules so that you can explain it. And many native English teachers, I would imagine, I don't know, you know, I don't know millions of them and I I, I haven't ever had any personal lessons in English from native or non-native speakers, but I would imagine that they would probably be less familiar with the grammar and with the process of learning a foreign language than non-native language learners who have learnt that language as an adult or as a teenager or whatever, you know, later in life and it's not their native language. So, quite often, I think if you're trying to learn a language and you want tutors, if you're not focused, at least in your lessons, specifically on working on a certain dialect of that, that language, right, pronunciation of a certain dialect in that language then I would say find a non-native learner of that language because they will be able to not only teach you things like the grammar and correct your mistakes and everything, and they may not be perfect, they may make mistakes as well, but that's not the goal at the end of the day, right? It isn't to be perfect, it's to communicate. But they will quite often have really good tips and tricks and advice for how to learn the language itself, not just how to use it, right? So, And that's sort of the thing that I come up against a lot of the time. I'll have people like you guys ask me questions about the language and I have no idea how to answer them. They'll be, you know, how do I use the article the, you know, in this example here? And I'll be like, well, I I know how to do it, but I don't know why. And I don't know what the rules are. And I have to go away and look them up, you know? So, yeah, it is just something I thought it's, it's worth mentioning that there is, at least in the past, there was more of a sort of taboo with getting, say, non-native language speakers of whatever language it is, English in this case, and having them as teachers and everyone wanted a native a native language speaker, you know, a native English speaker to be the teacher. But really at the end of the day, I think native speakers are probably their most useful when they're conveying things other than grammatical information, you know, other than um, how to learn a language effectively, what sort of tips and tricks to use and everything like that. Like, if you want 
someone to sit down with you and tell you how to pronounce things and to correct you in real time and to perhaps have, you know, advanced conversations and correct, you know, your grammar in real time, not necessarily explaining it, but pointing out all the mistakes you're making, intonation, then, yeah, perhaps an, a native speaker is worth sussing out, though there are plenty of non-native speakers who are really, really good. And, yeah, anyway, why am I on that rant? So, I guess the point is that there are loads of non-native English speakers who are teachers. It's not impossible at all for you guys to think of this as a career path. And in Australia in particular, there are loads of migrants coming here all the time. So, there's always going to be space for you guys to potentially become something like an English teacher to help other migrants who have sort of traveled the path that you've traveled, you know, yourself. And funnily enough, as you guys learn English, as you guys learn Australian English, you are becoming experts in the language and in the process of learning the language. You may not realize that, but but really you are, you know, you're spending probably hundreds, if not thousands of hours learning a certain task. And so, although you may not have credentials, which is something that you can always get later on, you can always do courses and get, you know, credentials so that you can apply for jobs and become teachers or, you know, work in the professional world, um, you're still going to have a lot of experience and expertise in that area that is going to go a long way. So, yeah, I definitely think that you can do it. So, how would you do it though? What I would say is obviously be working on your English as much as possible and you would want to ideally be as good as possible, right? You would want to be at an advanced level, if possible, under the assumption that you are teaching beginners, intermediate speakers, and other advanced, um, you know, learners of the language, right? If you're only teaching very, very basic English and beginners, then you can probably get away with being intermediate and above. But obviously, you want to be as good as possible. So, yeah, my goal, if it were me, would be just trying to become as proficient in the language as possible, tackling all areas of that. So, fluency, but then reading, writing, listening, and speaking, and probably putting a bit of emphasis on writing. I would also be trying to do a lot of grammar and really learning the ins and outs there, whether it's in a course specifically to get credentials to be able to do it, or you just get some books and you sort of go through it and focus on the stuff you don't know, skip the stuff you do know. And then once you've sort of reached an advanced level, I would then be looking for a course where you can complete that course to get a piece of paper that you can chuck on your resume or your CV, your curriculum vitae, so that you can then apply for a job and hopefully get that job and teach English at, say, TAFE or university or a high school. Or even you could start your own show, you know, you could start a YouTube channel, you could start getting out there on Instagram and starting your own social presence. You know, you could be, (laughs) really, you could be like another Aussie English where you are your own personality, you have your own experiences, you teach the language and you develop a following there and then start selling your own products or doing personal lessons, whatever you want to do. But it's definitely a possibility and I definitely encourage you guys to think about it. You know, if there's anything that you guys will be able to come to Australia and have under your belt already as a sort of expertise, it's probably your language skills, right? If you have nothing else, but you've been learning Australian English, you've been following Aussie English for a long time, you've been studying the grammar and doing all that sort of stuff, you are probably on the way to being able to teach English yourself if that's something that you want to do. And you could even, you know, again, throwing ideas out there, you could even do it through your native language, right? There are plenty of 
non-native English speakers who've learned English to a very high level and then teach English through their native language to people back in their home countries. And you could do this to prepare them to come to Australia, right? So, imagine you're from Iran or from Brazil or from, you know, France and you've learned English to a high level. You come to Australia, you start up a YouTube channel and you teach in your native language, you know, French, Portuguese, whatever it is. And you teach Australian English in that language or just broad English in that language and share your experiences and everything like that. So, yeah, I definitely... I definitely recommend giving it a whirl and I hope that's helped, Hoda. Um, Okay, what have we got here? Did you have any bromance before you tied the knot? So, this is from Bello. Okay, so a bromance. This is one of these really cool words. It is brother or bro and the word romance that have been pushed together, bromance. And I think it's usually used in the sense of not like a literal romantic relationship with another man, right? Two men having a, say, a homosexual relationship. It's more two men that are very, very, very close friends, right? So, I guess it'd be like girls who refer to their mates as girlfriends, you know, their best friends. It'd kind of be a similar sort of situation, whereas men would never refer to their mates as boyfriends. That tends to mean it's a relationship. It's one of these weird things in English. Girls can do it, guys can't do it. But if you were to say bromance, we're using that more and more, meaning that yeah, you are very, very close with other guys. So, I'm trying to think. I definitely did have and probably still sort of have quite a few bromances in that I have some very close male friends. The only sort of annoying thing in this world today uh, is that a lot of people move away. And so, all of my best friends that I, I still talk to on a pretty regular basis. I was on the phone to one of them today, actually, for a few hours whilst he was driving from one... Um, part of England to the other. I think he was driving from like Wales to, you know, Scotland or something and he wanted to call someone and (laughs) distract himself. But yeah, he lives in Great Britain and I've got another friend who's in Estonia. He's Estonian, obviously, but he's in Estonia, lives there now. He lived in Australia for a long time and was a housemate and everything like that. And we became really, really good friends. And another mate lives in Melbourne and I just haven't seen him in ages, but I talk to him every day through WhatsApp. So, Yeah, I definitely would say I still have a lot of bromances in that sense of having really close male friends. Um, The only annoying thing is, yeah, I don't have them close by. So, I don't really drop in and get to see many of these guys or, you know, have them drop in or hang out with them at all because they're just so far away. The other one that is a really close friend, Luke, who I, I wanted to get on the podcast, but I forgot to ask him whilst he was down. He lives 10 hours away in New South Wales. Um, So... I see him pretty much once every year or two when he comes down for Christmas to see his family and he's always pressed for time, right? He's always in a rush because he's got to see so many people. I think when he was coming down here, he had stopped off at two friends' houses and then um, stayed the night at one of them and then he'd gone to his parents' place, he caught up with us and then when he was leaving, he was going to stay with another friend before then driving home. So, he had all of these people that he had to kind of see all lined up. Uh, over that Christmas period. So, yeah, it was definitely a um, hectic period of the year. But I I would love to know what you guys are like. You know, you'll have to send me some messages and and tell me, do you guys have bromances or do you girls out there have lots of girlfriends or do you find it similar to me where in the modern age where jobs and careers seem to be taking people away from where they're originally born and where they originally had their friends at primary school or high school or work there... And sending them either around the country or even overseas, right? Lots of you guys will probably have all your friends back home uh, in your home countries. 
<coughs> excuse me, guys. Um, you'll have to let me know. Is it a similar sort of situation? Um, have you experienced it and how do you deal with it? Because yeah, the sort of blessing, I guess, is the fact that we have social media nowadays. So, we can just call people at the drop of a hat, right? All of a sudden, we can just call someone up who, you know, is living in bloody Iceland or Antarctica or the United States and chat to them as if they're right next to you. I can't imagine what it would have been like only 100 or 200 years ago where people had to send mail and it took months and months and months um, to, to reach these you know, places to be able to get these uh, letters and then reply to them and then you have to wait more time for them to come and yeah, it must have been a nightmare. And sorry, I've got a, I've got a drink here so I'm hopefully going to be able to um, <coughs> hold my voice together so that I can talk to you guys. Forgive me again. All right. We got one here from Reagan who asks, please explain about the expression that you just said. Okay, so I must have said it um, the other week. The week has been dragging. The week is dragging. So, something drags and this is usually a period of time, right? So, it could be an event, could be a a day, a week, uh, it could be a movie, could be a meeting, something that takes place over a period of time. If that thing drags... If you drag something, like I've got some plates here on the front of me in the table, and if I drag them across the top of the table, you're going to hear them shifting, right? I'm pulling them from one side to the other whilst they kind of rub along the ground. So, if something drags, figuratively, it means that it takes a very long time, right? And it's kind of boring or annoying or it's dull. So, if I say the week has been dragging, it's like, oh my God, this week has been dragging. It's been taking forever to finish. It just seems to be going on and on and on. It's just driving me nuts. It's dragging. The meeting has been dragging or this film is dragging, man. Oh my God. It's just boring. It's so slow. It's really dragging. It's dragging. Okay. What else we got here? (laughs) We got one from Moochie who says, just hope you're well, mate. No question. (laughs) I appreciate that, mate. I'm going well. I'm sorry again about the... uh, the voice and the coughing, guys. Um, what else have we got? Let me find some other good questions here. Okay. What is the difference between get used to and be used to and used to? <laughs> so, this one comes from Midgen. So, if you get used to something, it, we use get in this sense to mean become. So, if you get tired, you become tired. If you get used to something, you become used to that thing. And used to, in this sense, means like accustomed to. So, at the moment, I am used to um, waking up every morning at nine o'clock. It's something I do all the time. I'm accustomed to it. I'm used to it, right? And if I had to wake up all of a sudden at 5 a.m. every morning, that'd be very hard to get used to, right? It'd be very hard to become used to that. If I was used to it, or if I am used to it, or if I will be used to it, in this sense, we're saying that we are accustomed to that thing. So, I'm used to getting up at nine o'clock in the morning. If I had to get up at five, it would take a long time to get used to that. But eventually, I would be used to it, or I would become used to getting up at 5 a.m., you would hope. And then, used to, I mean, if it's just being used like I used to do something... So, instead of say used to, I'm used to, and then a thing, a noun, I'm used to the rain. I'm used to getting up early in the morning. That's the gerund there. If you were to say, I I used to do something, so we're using an infinitive verb now after it. This means in the past, I did it a lot, right? Or repeatedly over a period of time. So, I used to go to high school five days a week when I was a kid. I used to go to the beach a lot and go surfing. 
I used to travel to Queensland to do turtle tagging when I was a little well, little kid. It wasn't a little kid, but when I was at university, it's something I used to do. And used to, to become used to something is to become accustomed to it. All right. I might do this as the last question as my voice is starting to sort of fail me. But the question that we got here is, are you planning to visit Europe in the future? And this one comes from Dasistrida. So, yeah, I would love to visit Europe. There's plenty of places over in Europe that I would love to go to. I would love to definitely see my friends that I mentioned earlier in places like Estonia. I've got friends in France, friends in Great Britain. Uh, I've always wanted to go to, yeah, Iceland, although I think Iceland's not technically in Europe, but it's around that area. Uh, Spain, Italy, Greece, Turkey, although Turkey's not technically in Europe. You know what I mean, though. I would love to go... And travel around. There seems to be such a rich history. There are so many different languages there. I've always been a sort of passionate language learner. So, I'm definitely sure that if I went there, I would be keen to kind of learn bits and pieces from different languages. And who knows, maybe even fall in love with another language and start learning that. Like, I have French and Portuguese in the past. Um, Basque would be a really cool language. This is one that's outside of the Indo-European language family. So, it's very different from things like Russian, French and... Um, English, which are all in that same family. Basque is this kind of isolate language where it's, I think the area is like on the border of France and Spain. It's sort of in each of those countries and on the border of it where they speak it. But it seems to be a very, very cool, unique language. Uh, So, I I would love to go there and and hear it spoken and learn it. Um, But yeah, there's plenty of stuff that I would love to do. Europe seems beautiful, but I'm just a curious person. I think you guys know what my personality is like and that I always want to know more about people, about cultures, about history, about languages, about places. So, it, I, th- I would love to go everywhere. You know, I'd love to go to China. I'd love to go to India. I'd love to go to South America. Um, there, there are so many places that I would love to visit and I, I hope I can do, you know, a, a significant chunk of them in my lifetime. Um, but, Yeah, I don't know what would be first on the list too. Like if someone said tomorrow, you know, I'll buy you a ticket to go to Europe and you can go anywhere besides obviously wanting to see my friends. If if it was just about the country and the the history and the language, I'm not sure where I would probably start. I'd probably start somewhere like maybe France, seeing as I sort of have a history there. I've been to France. I speak French. It's nowhere near as good as I used to speak it. But I could probably begin there and at least, you know, work on the language and start seeing some of the sites there again, some of the stuff that I hadn't seen. There's there's such a beautiful, rich history there and the people are really interesting and the food is incredible. But then I'd probably love to also visit Spain and Portugal and Italy around those areas and then experience those cultures and, and foods in particular. <laughs> I'm a bit of a foodie. And then I would probably just travel. I'd love to learn more about Rome. So... That really fascinates me. And the good thing about that, I think, is that you'll find Roman history all throughout these different European countries and even in Northern Africa. So, there'd be plenty of places to go to. But yeah, it's definitely on the bucket list. It's definitely on the bucket list. But anyway, guys, sorry again for a short episode and that it's a Pete's Two Cents episode. I will start working on more uh, expression episodes and interviews and goss episodes in 2023. We're going to be releasing another course in February, hopefully. So, stay tuned for that. This is going to be an Australian English accent course. So, the idea will be to expose you to 
30 days of 30 lessons with a different Australian English speaker each day and you'll be able to hopefully become really, really exposed to loads of different accents, broad accents, general accents, maybe posher accents and women, men, older people, younger people, you know, about a broad range of topics to Australian history, news, current affairs, politics, all of that sort of stuff. So, I think it's going to be a really good course if you guys are wanting to hone your listening skills and learn to understand the Australian accent rapidly, right? This is hopefully an intense 30-day course where you can kind of complete this and you will have a deep dive into 30, at least 30 different accents from Australia, not different types, but different people that speak differently. And that will really help you tune your ear in. So, if you haven't come to Australia yet and you want to arrive here and be really good at understanding Australian accents, that's what this course will be designed for. So, hopefully, we'll release that in February sometime. Stay tuned. Uh, And besides that, yeah, I'm going to try and work on YouTube a little more this year as well. I just need to... I need to sort out my shit, guys. I've got to work out my space, my area for doing films since we've moved house. I didn't end up setting up the exact same thing that I had at the other house. So, I have to work out what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it and where, everything like that. So, wish me luck with that. But yeah, once again, thanks for joining me, guys. It is always an absolute pleasure and privilege chatting to you. I really appreciate it. And here is to an amazing 2023. Cheers. Cheers.